0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome to the pre Christmas edition of the Outsports uh, podcast. Jim and Sid in LA, where it was raining overnight, which in LA, Sid sort of is the equivalent of snow back east. <laughs> it has sort of a holiday feel when it rains out here.
0: Yeah, well, and it's supposed to be low in the 30s Saturday night, so it it will actually feel a little bit like the holidays a little bit.
1: And Saturday night is Christmas Eve and I know it's sort of the same for you, but it's always been for me Christmas Eve seems like the more of the highlight of the Christmas holiday. Um that's when I always have and I know you a big dinner growing up that was our big meal christmas day sort of had a okay once the presents are open uh, is there any football on
0: <laughs> well uh, uh, for me the whole season is 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 nice the parties and 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 in la people leaving town and 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 it being nice and quiet here and just a more relaxed atmosphere Work slows down a little bit so you know the the beauty of christmas isn't Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? It's just the whole month of December. Just is a nice time.
1: Yeah, I, but my point, I guess, is sort of by the time Christmas Day comes, it's kind of like, oh, it kind of feels over because it's the buildup that gets me. Like I can't listen to Christmas music starting December 26. It's like, okay, I'm done with that for the year. I mean, it just has a different feel. So, um, we hope everybody who's celebrating Christmas or Kwanzaa or whatever they celebrate um, are having a good holiday. Um, I don't know if we'll be on the air next week, we might, but we're going to use today to talk about uh, our Outsports, kind of a sports year in review, and our guest is going to be on in a couple minutes, Chris Hine, the sports writer for the Chicago Tribune, who really has become one of the the most important mainstream voices um, for LGBT issues. He's openly gay, he came out last year, and After he came out, he's written a lot of stuff on LGBT sports issues. He hasn't simply said that, that's all I'm going to talk about. So we want to talk about Chris, about some of that. But um, before we get Chris on, there was some developments yesterday with our good friend HB2 in North Carolina, which
0: Mm.
1: everyone assumed was going to be repealed, and it turned out it wasn't repealed. So um, we're status quo with HB2, the anti-LGBT uh, bill dubbed the bathroom bill, and it looks like uh, who knows when it's going to be overturned if at all and so I think any any sports boycotts need to continue
0: well it, politically it's you know God, it's interesting to look at the 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 maneuvering that went on I mean ultimately, the Democrats voted against its repeal because the repeal included a moratorium on cities. Passing non-discrimination laws, and it really—I I don't want to get too much into the weeds of politics, but I, it just boggles my mind how Republicans, who are for local control, can can demand that cities not not pass non-discrimination laws. It's just—it it, it 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 just boggles my mind.
1: Yeah, and what it did was it put a six-month. It would have basically hold that held off any repeal for six months and it wasn't what had been agreed to the city of charlotte repealed its lgbt ordinance on monday which was part first part of the deal that that was the reason in the minds of the proponents why hb-2 was needed Um and then charlotte repealed it and then the republicans turned around and didn't pass the bill they said they were going to pass they introduced this new bill that would have this six-month you know moratorium on cities and so the democrats i think smartly said no we're not going to go for that but I think the the, re, the relation with sports, the NCAA issued a statement basically saying status quo um, in terms of not holding championships. But we got to really keep holding these sports leagues feet to the fire on this. And then people, now we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, what's interesting is that the the legislative boundaries in North Carolina House and Senate races were ruled unconstitutional. There's going to be a brand new election this year with uh, new boundaries, so it's very possible that the makeup of the North Carolina legislature may, uh, may change, so that that might be when something happens with HB2, so we'll have to wait and see, um, but we now have our guest on the line. Chris, are you there? I'm here, yeah. Uh, I'm hearing some static. Are you guys hearing static? Well, I know. Chris, could you hang up and try back again? The static came when I let. oh, Ooh, it's gone now. That was. You Ooh. are you there, Chris? I
0: I got rid of him. That was bad. <laughs> that was I don't know. Oh, okay. Wrong. <laughs> yet yet still more technical difficulties <laughs> with Blog Talk Radio. I, it, 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 it is never ending. That was bizarre. As soon as you as soon as you picked up his call, there was this, whoa, very loud obnoxious. <laughs>
1: So it wasn't just me. Okay, so it was something with Chris's phone.
0: Well, if it happens again,
1: (laughs) Chris, are you there?
0: Yes, I'm here.
2: Can you hear me?
1: Yes, the static is gone. We had to disconnect you because the status. So, uh, static.
2: Okay, no problem.
1: I love the five seven zero area code. Uh, Good old uh, Northeast PA, right? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's right. I'll be headed back That's there in a couple of days. Here for the holidays, I'll, I'm getting a few days off, so I will be uh, sampling uh, their finest pizza again.
1: <laughs> where are you? So where are you? Where are you? What town are you from again?
2: West Pittston, um, which is oh in god, my brother lives there. So <laughs> oh yeah, which There's pizza? Thing, yeah, which you know, uh, pizza in place? and Scranton. Um, um, Sabatini's is probably going to be the oh, first Oh god, I yeah, look.
1: Sabatini's.
2: And then uh, I lived maybe on some Sabatini's Arvello's in college. Uh it's amazing you're still alive. <laughs>
1: well, I think Sabatini's uh, the, the, the Earth will end and Sabatini's will still be there cuz there'll be people want to have yeah, pizza. So, I mean, um
2: it's, it's amazing. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: And you know, I mm-hmm. we got some uh local, I got some Polish made kielbasa yesterday at a place here in Southern California. So I'm all set for the
2: uh oh, Polish
1: style wow. Christmas Eve.
2: Any pierogies with that?
1: Oh god, yeah, they're homemade. My friend makes you every year, so
2: <laughs> very nice. Come to right. LA sure, next year. I'm we'll sure, feed you a good Polish. I'm sure. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Sid is loving all this talk about Northeast PA pizza and uh, <laughs> <this> <laughs> Polish sausage. Our here. audience
0: is, I'm sure, just just glued to the glued to the. the all country. our <laughs> listeners in, in
1: so Northeast PA are just, you know, the, the <laughs> phone lines are spiking. So
2: <laughs> that's right.
1: But Chris, we did not have on have you on to talk about. Food and as delicious as it is, um, mm-hmm. we're doing sort of a year-in-review, and I thought you'd be a perfect person to do it because you came out publicly um, earlier in the year, and since then you've you've kind of tackled a lot of of LGBT sports issues. And so let's begin with one, and we'll, we'll just kind of be real freeform in this. But um, pretty soon after you came out, there was an incident with the Chicago Blackhawks where a player named Andrew Shaw called another player a gay slur. Uh, and he got suspended the game for the NHL. And you had a conversation with Shaw about that. And do you think the fact that you were you were out allowed you to sort of maybe have more freedom to have that conversation? Were you would have hit that before, or kind of give us a little background on that?
2: I, I do. Um, yeah, yeah, to give a little background for everyone, I I came out. Uh, in in march i believe uh publicly in the paper for the first time um it, it hasn't been a secret in my personal life and even those that know me professionally know that i've been gay for for a while now and um but it was the first time i had ever written about it publicly in the paper And I cover the Blackhawks. That's my beat. Um, And so they're going through the playoffs, and and this incident happens in Game 4. Andrew Shaw, he was was calling an an official. He he directed that towards an official after a penalty that he didn't agree with. Um, And I do think that having come out a month prior or six weeks prior to this incident happening, it did give me a – you know, a little more latitude and, and leeway to kind of write about my personal experience with that with that word, and you know it, it was a very interesting and, and surreal 48-hour period that that whole story uh, unraveling. I've never experienced anything quite like it. You know, I, as a reporter, you're kind of uncomfortable with it, quite frankly, because the last thing you want to do is become a part of the story, but you know i i i had come out publicly in the paper 6 weeks before and now somebody i covered you know gets caught on national tv using an anti gay slur at an official so it was you know i felt like I, I had to say something and this was a moment to to tell people why that word is so hurtful the impact that it can have on on people whether they're whether they're out or whether they're closeted what kind of an an effect that could have um even though we we are moving Forward as a society, you know, that word still carries a, a pretty devastating punch and, and keeps people in the closet and causes a lot of issues. So I thought that that was a moment to, to kind of educate people and, and explain to them where I'm coming from and where I think a lot of other people are coming from when they hear that word, either growing up or, or now as adults.
1: But what was it like talking to Shaw about it personally?
2: It was uh, it was an av- an emotional moment. Um, the-, the way it happened was the next day, they uh, before they flew to St. Louis for Game Five of the series, they had a-, a press conference at the the airport hangar where they fly out of, and Shaw came out. You know, there's all these cameras around. It's a huge story here in Chicago, and you know he gave a, a very tearful uh, apology he took a couple of questions before a PR representative uh, kind of shut the press conference down. Um, He wasn't really saying much, um, but more the way he communicated himself and the emotion on his face kind of said everything you needed to see. And then after the, that little press conference was over, one of the PR staff came in and kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, come out to the hallway. And um, that was where he, personally apologized to me for using that word and we had a chat for I'd say about maybe five to ten minutes and I just told him I said you know I said I've had friends that people that are still my friends to this day some of my very good friends who have used that word before they knew I was gay I said I don't think they realized what they said when they were saying it and that's kind of what I, what I think with you. And, and I just kind of told him where I was coming from. I said, I don't view you any differently today than I did last week or, you know, before this incident happened. You know, he was always somebody I had a, a good relationship with and somebody who is easily approachable and, you know, seemed to really enjoy uh, his interactions with the media, which you can't always say about people in this, in this business. Um, he, he seems like a genuinely good guy. Who didn't know what he was saying, and I think now he realizes it. I think it was a big, a big teaching moment for him and the rest of the Blackhawks, quite frankly. Um, and I think, uh, I think it was uh, out of out of that that terrible incident. I think a lot of good came overall.
0: So, so this was not a case of him being uh, being sorry that he got caught. This, you really think that he was sorry that he used that word in retrospect and didn't understand what it meant to people.
2: I I do. And, you know, that was one of the things I was concerned about going into it is, is, you know, exactly what you said, said was, you know, was he just more sorry that he got caught? But I, I, I really do think um, he learned from this and, and uh, Jonathan Taves spoke very eloquently about it um, after Andrew Shaw did that day. And, about you know how this was a big moment for the team, and I think it, it was a, a, an eye-opening moment for a lot of people on the on the on the team that they needed to stop using this word. And I think that I, you know, and it's funny because he's he has a very short fuse on the ice. Andrew Shaw does, and yes, we he saw. threw he threw he threw another temper tantrum a couple of weeks ago. He's now playing with Montreal. Um, for those that might not be up on their NHL, he now plays for the Montreal Canadiens. And he had a temper tantrum in the penalty box, a very similar one to the one he had in April. And I was, I was watching with great curiosity what exactly he was saying, and I did not see that word come from his lips. Uh, so I think, I think there was a little bit of progress made there that he's eliminated that from his, uh, from his vernacular.
0: So, But, you know, it, it's great that they say, oh, this is an educational moment, we've all learned. How can you not know? that that word is hurtful to gay people. Isn't it really an, an, a, a matter of thinking nobody who cares is listening? Because these guys have to know that that word is a gay slur. They know it's an attack on gay people. Subconsciously, certainly, they know that it's linking gay people mm-hmm. to weakness. And they know that it's, it's, it's the N-word to gay They know this. This is not something that they learned last April. So I, just find, I, just, I just find a hard I – I, I take that I, – I, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow because I just don't believe it. I don't, I, I, and It really feels like when these guys get caught, they're just sorry that, that, oh, well, I've used it forever and I know what it means. But somebody finally called me on it, and oh, I'm, I'm upset about that. I just don't believe they didn't know what it is and, and how powerful it is.
2: And I, I, I would take a, I would slightly disagree with you there that I I don't think that everybody fully understands the impact of that word. Um, you know we we you know we're we're gay men and so we know what the impact is and I think maybe we take that for granted. But I think you know s- straight men who have you know they've been around other straight men their whole lives. They haven't been exposed to to you know, friendships or, or relationships with other gay men in their family. And they don't, they don't have that perspective. Um, so I don't, I, I don't think they do fully understand what it means. I think they, they know it's a bad word, but I think they just lump it in with every other bad word that that comes out of their mouths. Um, you know, whether that be a word that degrades women or, or, or what have you. Um, so I, I, I don't think they know it's a bad word, but I just don't think they fully understand the impact, the history the um, and the 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 terrible effects that that word can have, and that's why I thought it was, you know, it, it was a teaching moment for for them because I don't think they fully understand the the scope of it.
1: But also, it shows the fact that you were out with a with a face for for someone like Andrew Shaw to where he felt compelled to actually seek you out.
2: Yeah. um, You know, that, that meant a lot. Um, You know, it was, it was not an easy thing for him to do. So I, I, you know, I, I commend him for that. And, you know, honestly, like after that incident happened, I would say two or three days later, it was, it was almost back to normal for us. I was back talking to him in the locker room and, you know, giving him a, a, a little grief, and he was going right back at me. And you know, the the way the way we had a relationship before the incident happened, it was it was it was nice that we were able to to kind of have that moment and then put it behind us and, and move on. You know, as as if uh, I don't want to say as if nothing happened, but you know, everything kind of returned to normal after that. And you know, over the summer, you know, unfortunately, the salary NHL salary cap situation being what it is. The Blackhawks had to trade him because his contract was up and he was looking for a little more money than I think they were anticipating wanting to give him. So he now plays for Montreal and I haven't seen him uh, or talked to him since June. So um, in March, when I think it's March when the Hawks are in Montreal, I'll, I'll probably get a chance to see him then.
0: Well that certainly wasn't the only big LGBT story of the year that 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 grabbed your interest other than marching in the Chicago Pride Parade with us. What what else was what else was the highlight or or lowlight for you from the year this this year being your, your first year publicly out in sports?
2: Yeah, um the high, one of the highlights was I I covered the Rio Olympics and um one of the first days we were there, um Elena Deladon who plays for the Chicago Sky uh you know kind of uh, almost like casually just uh, uh came out in a, in a magazine profile i want to say it was i think forbes magazine um and so this this kind of this, this story kind of broke um one of the first nights we were in vogue. rio and oh, it was vogue okay i thought so yeah. um uh and this, this story kind of broke one of the first nights we were in rio and you know, I, I hightailed it over there to the press conference to ask her about it, and I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, she didn't really make a, a big deal about it. She she just came out in this profile and she said, "This is my life, and this is my partner, and this is who I am." And you know, it's it's no big deal. Everybody around me knows that I that I'm you know that I'm gay and I have a partner, and I just kind of admired the way that she did that. And I thought it was I thought it was very important that. You know, she was able to come out, and you know, the more the more athletes we have coming out, the better, obviously. And so it it was kind of nice to be in position um, to be one of the first people that was able to to ask her about about her experience and why she chose to do that. And I think that was a that was a a, a real highlight of of my time in Rio.
0: Were you were you trying to entrap
2: gay athletes on Grindr while you were there? <laughs> No, I was not. Um and it it's funny because I got a couple messages because that uh that journalist, uh um uh Nico Hines, you know, has a very similar last name to mine. So oh. I
0: actually
2: I got a I got a few I got a few messages um from folks uh asking if that was me. <laughs> so I was not uh I was I was not thrilled with uh, with Mr. Hines uh for for many reasons because of that piece but uh I was also not thrilled with him that he was degrading those who have Hines in their last name uh with that piece I, I like you guys I thought that, that that piece was just it was absolutely ridiculous and you know I it, it I was I was encouraged to see that it was so widely condemned um upon its publication um that was at least a little heartening to see after it got printed
1: well, so, so Rio, must I mean, gay or not, what was your highlights in Rio? I mean, you covered, I think you covered men's basketball,
2: if I'm not mistaken? I did, yeah. I covered men's and women's basketball, and because I worked for the Chicago Tribune, part of my assignments were to uh, kind of go around to all the different sports and, and you know, write about some of our local athletes that were competing. Um, so I did a little bit of swimming. I did a little bit of uh Um, what else did I track and field? I did. Uh, we had a guy in the steeplechase. Um, Connor Dwyer was one of our, was one of the swimmers from the Chicago area. And they also had me doing basketball. So to to be able to, to interview some of the, uh, the NBA players who, uh, were, were, pretty, pretty easy to deal with and pretty chill. Uh, you know, that was, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, that was a, a, an interesting experience for sure. And one that I'll, that I'll remember, um, you know, seeing, uh, you know, seeing Michael Phelps swim in person that was, you know, in, in a couple dramatic races, that's something that'll that'll stick with me for a little while um it was just a anybody who's covered olympics knows that it's an exhausting exhausting experience it is by far the most tired i have ever been as a journalist um i've covered long hockey playoff series here um but nothing compares to the Olympics when you're trying to get to multiple venues and one day you're waking up at you know six seven a.m. on three hours of sleep and you're just going and you're just writing constantly. Um, it was it was a, a rewarding experience. It was an exhausting experience. Um, there was a lot of complaining, you know, when you're that tired and that hungry. Um, but it's one that I would I would love to do again if, if given the opportunity.
1: So you got to see a guy win a steeplechase silver medal from Illinois, right? <laughs> that must've been something I you think, never yeah, thought he'd be writing about.
2: A, yeah. Yeah. No, it, he was uh, Evan Yeager. He was the guy's name and he was definitely on our radar. And yeah, yeah steeplechase was a pretty uh, historic medal Cause I think it was the first time in about 32 years or maybe the 88 Olympics. I'm not quite sure, but First time in a long time that a, an American had medaled in the steeplechase, so it was, it was kind of a big deal. It was a it was a pretty interesting story.
0: What what are you uh, covering this year? Any any big events ahead for you, twenty seventeen? Other than um, I mean, obviously you're covering the local Chicago sports, but what what can we look
2: forward to? Oh, it's just all blackhawks all the time for me right now. You know, when um when you're covering a beat like this it's it ta- it consumes your life and there's really not much uh not much room for, for much else. Um you know, I I'm gonna keep uh keep an eye on gay issues in sports and you know, if I if I feel compelled to, to write something, um but thankfully my editors, uh Joe Knowles and Tim Bannon here at the at the Tribune have have given me a lot of latitude to to express my opinion and express my voice on these issues. Um, You know, you you may not get that in every sports department. So I'm I'm very grateful to them that if something were to pop up or, you know, a story were to develop um, that they, they give me the space and the, and frankly they, they promote it really well too when I have um, stories like, like this or, or, or something to say about gay issues in sports so i 'm all i'm all i 'm all about the Blackhawks, but if something were to happen with with gay issues in sports i'll be i 'll be there to, to probably say something about it
1: well, and I think that 's what 's been really valuable is that you have you 've probably written maybe at least a half dozen different stories that aren 't hockey related on lgbt sports issues, and to have that uh, for mainstream journalists is really impressive because a lot of times people almost shy away from that it 's like well i 'm just a reporter and that 's not my beat but for you, it seems that it's not your beat, but if it's some if it's a story that's important, you're going to write about it because you have you have an insight that a straight sports writer would not.
2: Yeah, and and for the first few years of my career, um, uh, I'm 30 now, and but back when I was you know 23, 24, 25, kind of just starting out, and and frankly, just getting more comfortable with being gay and and letting people know that I that I am gay, you know, I I, I just didn't want to really say much about it. Um, I just wanted to be a reporter. I just wanted to, to do my job and, you know, just, just really focus on that. But as I've gotten a little older and a little more comfortable in my own skin, I've I've felt a lot strong. Uh, I felt pretty strongly about some issues. and And, you know, I think it was kind of this was this has been kind of percolating over the last maybe two, three years that I have something to say on these issues. And when the time is right, I want to be able to say something. And the, the incident that, that, that ticked me off and, and got me going on this was the the whole Eli Apple. Do you like men incident at the NFL combine, which, which prompted me to write that, that first column where I came out because I just thought it was just utterly ridiculous. But I, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to let people know why it was ridiculous because I had seen a lot of sports stories uh, just, you know, the straight news story about that incident. But nobody was really giving any context as to why this was a big deal. So I felt that that's where I could come in and inject a little bit of, of my own experience and, and what it's like and tell people, well, this is why this incident is completely ridiculous.
0: The biggest thing for me, the way they asked it, I... <laughs> You can just ask me if I'm gay. You don't have to ask in some roundabout, weird way because you're totally you're totally uncomfortable with gay people. Uh, you can just you can just ask. You can you can just ask. You don't have to make up some weird roundabout way of asking it.
2: It's just ridiculous, and and the fact that it was that it was the first thing, and, and Eli Apple said it was the first thing that they asked him when they when he got in the room with with the Falcons. It was, it, it just boggles my mind, and and you know I know the 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 draft process is an exhaustive. You know they they search every nook and cranny of your of your of your body and of your personnel file and of your personal life and your 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 class history in college I know all that gets combed over but but you know come on you, you know this and the NFL needs that, the NFL needs to shape up
0: that that was a big defense of it that oh it's just a long exhaustive process but the process fails every year. Yep. So maybe yep. it's time to change the process.
2: You you all get it
0: terribly wrong every single yeah, year. How
2: how I mean just, just from a talent evaluation, how many first round draft pick busts are there every year? Like the process is not a not an ironclad uh perfect process. So I, I don't know what they're well, I don't know It's uh, not even know. a good process.
0: It's not even right. good.
2: Exactly. It, it's, it's, it's very, it's very shoddy. And, you know, you ask, yes, you ask Eli Apple, do you like men? But, you know, the Cleveland Browns a few years ago, in spite of every, every bit of evidence to the, you know, pointing to, to that this guy needs help, they go and draft Johnny Manziel in the first round. You know, it just it it just boggles my mind sometimes what what the NFL is thinking that collective group think and culture that they have around the sport, um, especially when it comes to to issues of homosexuality.
1: Yep, and the Browns passed on Ben Roethlisberger, an Ohio native, so it <laughs> tells you all you need to know about how important the process is. Uh, yeah. Well, Chris. Um, Thank you so much for coming on and for doing what you do and hope you have great holidays and have a slice of, extra slice of Sabatini on me.
2: I will. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on guys. Thanks for all the help. I appreciate it. All
1: right. Thanks Chris. Bye. Yep. Sorry, said so, sorry, said so to bore you with all that Northeast PA talk, but it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> funny that we're literally from almost Easter. the same home, the same hometown. It's it's if you haven't eaten it, you you don't have a comment on it. So, um, but um, yeah, it's I it mean, to me, it's interesting that Chris being out and now comfortable that he's not afraid of these issues, and I think that's it's good to have that voice in the mainstream because a lot of sports writers, even if they have good intentions, don't know exactly. You know, can't cover the issue that way. So, it's good that he's out there, and the trib has given him the, the latitude to write what he wants to write about when it's important.
0: Well, we got a lot out LGBT sports writers all over the place now. Well, I guess figuratively all over the place, but uh, yep. they're in a lot of they're a lot of powerful positions now. So it's good to see.
1: So that's all the time we have uh, for today. Merry Christmas, Sid. Um, Happy New Year. We'll probably be talking next week, but uh, wherever you are, hope you have a great holiday. And uh, check out our Heroes of the Year, our Athletes of the Year, our Assholes of the Year. And next year we'll have an LGBT sports year in review story. So until then, talk to you later.